1972, Joey Gallo killed in Little Italy during dinner at Umberto's Clam House. They get there by violence, and often as not, they leave by violence. Between three and five million dollars in cash and valuables was taken from the Lufthansa cargo terminal out at Kennedy Airport. I can give you guys a half a million dollars a year without a problem. New York City is a war zone for mobsters and their targets. Hello everyone and welcome into part 8 of episode 57 of The Black Hand, an organized crime history podcast. I'm your host, Bliss Grieve, and on today's show, we continue our look into deputy gangs in the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. Last week, we finished up our look into the Banditos which is likely the most pervasive deputy gang still active today. But on today's show, we'll talk about the complete history of the Compton Executioners, which is one of, if not, the biggest deputy gang still operating on the streets today, and easily one of the most violent, whether it came to their co-workers or simply members of the community. Before we get started, if you'd like to support the show, please rate it and go follow the show's Instagram and Twitter pages at the Blackham Pod, and please feel free to reach out. Also, consider giving a little bit to the show's Venmo at the Blackham Pod as well. But without further ado, let's get right into today's episode. Since at least 2016, a gang of deputy sheriffs called the Executioners have prowled the streets of the city of Compton. They were allegedly founded by a former 2000 boy named Andy Toon, who appears to no longer be working at the Compton station. Members of the gang each have a tattoo of a skeleton wearing a Nazi helmet emblazoned with the letters CPT as the skeleton holds a rifle marked with the Roman numeral for 28, surrounded by flames. Tattoos that are given out at parties and allegedly awarded for killing a civilian, while violence committed to further the gang's agenda is rewarded with permission to skip shifts. Recruits are reportedly chosen for the gang based on their propensity for violence against members of the community, and those who don't comply with the gang's way of doing business receive non-preferential assignments. Current membership is estimated at around 80 people, and out of 100 patrol deputies in the Compton Station, 40 are alleged to be affiliated with the gang. The executioners have cost Los Angeles County at least $7 million as the tab and body count continue to grow. It all started in early 2016 when Sheldon Lockett was working at the Superior Grocers in the Crenshaw area. After finishing his shift and clocking out on January 15th, he decided to visit his grandmother's house in Compton. But shortly after his arrival, a drive-by shooting took place 
at 910 Spruce Street. One person was hit, and a radio call went out for an attempted murder. The description of the suspect was minimal, so as Lockett stood out on his front lawn with two friends, Deputies Aldama and Arego, drove up in their patrol vehicle before Lockett ran. Aldama continued to chase him into the backyard, where he cornered Lockett and severely beat him, also being tasered and pepper sprayed by other deputies. And despite the fact that it was impossible for Lockett to have committed the shooting, deputies brought a victim of the drive-by to where Lockett had been detained. The county alleged that the victim positively identified Lockett as the shooter, and on that basis, he was arrested and taken into custody. Before being charged with attempted murder on January 20th, 2016, and remaining in custody for the next seven months. About one month into his wrongful incarceration, deputies searched the home of his mother, which was done while she was out of the house, only being informed after the fact by a neighbor that LASD personnel had descended on their home. However, the case against Lockett was eventually dismissed and the LASD never found the person responsible for the drive-by that initiated the incident. But just seven months after Samuel Aldama and Mizrain Arego unlawfully detained and beat Sheldon Lockett, they killed another man in Compton. On August 25, 2016, Aldama and Arego were assigned to a gang suppression detail, a unit assigned to areas that the department deems to have high gang activity during the summer months. And it was on that day that the deputies spotted 31-year-old Dante Taylor walking on Wilmington Avenue near Brazil Street. They stated in the report that they stopped Taylor because he was wearing a red hat with the letter C on it, which they believed to symbolize the Cedar Block Piru gang. But it was here that the deputies started to tell different versions of what happened. Arego says that Aldama pulled over, and that as he stepped out of the vehicle, Taylor pulled out a gun and ran, though the gun was never recovered. Taylor fled down a nearby trail overlooking a water runoff, and as Aldama and Arego chased him, they requested a broadcast over Patch that they were chasing a man with a gun, just as they did with Sheldon Lockett, before catching up to Taylor and opening fire. A case that would eventually settle for $7 million. Despite that, by the summer of 2020, the executioners had thoroughly taken over the Compton station. Art Gonzalez started working for the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department in 2007, and by 2016, he attempted to get time off work in order to care for his daughter. But Deputy Jaime Juarez, the so-called shot caller who seceded Andy Toon as boss of the executioners, was then the training and scheduling deputy. 
Juarez was reportedly part of a reform effort put forward under Sheriff Jim McDonnell that stationed deputies who had been involved with multiple on-duty shootings behind a desk, though he would use this opportunity to control the operations of the station. So when Gonzalez put in his request, Juarez refused to accommodate and placed him on an early morning shift that Gonzalez couldn't complete without abandoning the needs of his child. A change that was allegedly made to accommodate the needs of Deputy Jesus Sandoval, an inked executioner. Gonzalez says in a complaint filed with the county that his supervisors wouldn't have a conversation with Juarez about the time off request because of Juarez's gang ties. So when Gonzalez complained to scheduling and training Sergeant Lopez about the situation, Lopez informed him that he would support Juarez, and Gonzalez claims that he was forced to take paid family leave. Then, in 2017, after Gonzalez returned, Compton Station Captain Michael Thatcher allegedly implemented an illegal arrest quota policy, where deputies were instructed to arrest people for misdemeanors that wouldn't ordinarily result in a citation, let alone arrest. And a few weeks after the implementation of the policy, Lieutenant John Wargo held a briefing and told deputies that their arrest statistics were too low. So deputies with low arrest numbers were placed in what are described as undesirable assignments, like the front desk at the station, traffic detail, or the Compton Town Mall Center. Gonzalez and deputies Jonathan Alcala and Gabriel Guzman complained about the illegal arrest quotas to acting watch commander Sergeant Andy Leo, who admitted that deputies who didn't comply were being retaliated against. But following the meeting, Alcala, Guzman, and Gonzalez were placed on traffic duty, and afterwards, average arrests per deputy in Compton went up from two and a half arrests per month to seven. The executioners are able to maintain control of the Compton station by instituting work slowdowns in response to policies that they don't like. One slowdown occurred in 2019 when shot caller Jaime Juarez confronted Station Lieutenant Larry Waldy Jr. and demanded that Waldy replace the current training and scheduling deputy with executioner deputy Anthony Bautista. The gang wanted control over that position because the deputy was responsible for assigning shifts and granting days off. But Waldy told Juarez that he wouldn't be intimidated by the gang. So in response, Juarez and the executioners implemented a work slowdown that would see deputies receive their full salaries for completing little to no work. Waldy informed Captain Thatcher about the gang's antics, and Juarez was transferred to the City of Industry station. But Waldy was later overruled, and Juarez was returned to Compton. 
Then, in the summer of 2019, deputies who were allegedly part of the executioners were involved in two incidents that briefly caught the attention of local media. The first came on July 3, 2019, when deputies chased a vehicle owned by rapper YG through Compton. LASD personnel claimed that the occupants of the vehicle had an AK-47, which was never recovered, and during the pursuit, deputies shot at the vehicle, killing 65-year-old Rick Starks. Then in June 2020, TMZ captured three Compton deputies severely beating a man, all three of which are alleged to have been executioners. But it was in late 2019 that things started to heat up in the Compton station. Because on October 25th, 2019, Deputy Gonzalez was promoted to field training officer and given Deputy David Battles as his first trainee. And though the master training officer told Gonzalez that he had done his job well, about a month later, inked executioner Edwin Barajas failed Battles out of training, which Gonzalez believes was done to punish Battles for his association with him. And following the incident, the executioners began to get even more aggressive with fellow LASD personnel. Deputy Eugene Contreras returned to the Compton station in 2020 after a temporary assignment in the Internal Affairs Bureau. According to Gonzalez's complaint, Contreras bullied deputies in an attempt to raise his standing with the gang while working as a field training officer in 2020. He threatened another FTO, which escalated into Contreras assaulting the FTO while on duty. The attack was also allegedly done to raise the reputation of the gang, and sure enough, Contreras was placed on the list for promotion to sergeant. But other than office disputes, the executioners were behind several violent incidents around the same time. Starting on April 13, 2020, when 23-year-old Jesus Alegria was at Wilson Park skateboarding. When deputies Miguel Vega, who had been trained by Contreras, and Christopher Hernandez drove up in a patrol vehicle. According to a complaint, Allegria filed against the county. Vega and Hernandez began bullying and harassing young people gathered around the park. So Allegria told the deputies to leave the youth alone. Before Vega and Hernandez approached Allegria, grabbed him by the wrist, and threw him in the back of their patrol car. The deputies then drove with Allegria in the back seat without handcuffs or a seatbelt in violation of department policy. He even told the Los Angeles Times that the deputies threatened to drop him off in a neighborhood controlled by a gang and tell people on the street that he belonged to their rivals. The deputies continued driving around, harassing youth in the area, while Allegria remained handcuffed in the back seat before Vega crashed the patrol vehicle, smashing Allegria's head 
into the case divider. As a result, Vega had inadvertently trapped himself and was unable to open his door, so the deputy climbed out of the window and onto the hood of the car. And when Allegria begged the deputies to let him leave, Vega told him to go. According to the subsequent complaint, Vega and Hernandez also attempted to cover up what happened with Allegria. And in their report, they claimed that a large crowd of 15 to 20 people gathered around an erratic Allegria. The deputies said that they took him into custody and transported him in a manner outside of policy because they were afraid that the group would try to help Allegria. But the charges against Allegria were dropped at a preliminary hearing, and Allegria filed a suit against the county, which is still pending, while Vega and Hernandez remained on the street. Then, just a few months after the attack on Allegria, the executioners would carry out their last known violent incident. In the summer of 2020, the Guardado family lived in the Koreatown neighborhood of Los Angeles. But the family's 18-year-old son, Andres, would have his life cut short while he was working one evening, shortly after an encounter with deputies Vega and Hernandez. On June 18, 2020, Andres Guardado was standing outside of the body shop where he worked, talking to two people parked in a white Lexus. As Vega and Hernandez parked their patrol vehicle next to the driver's side of the Lexus and quickly got out. Guardado was frightened and fled behind the gate of the property and into an alley while the deputies pulled out their guns and chased him. But when Guardado stopped running and fell to his knees, instead of arresting him, Deputy Vega fired his weapon six times hitting him five times in the back, killing Guardado instantly. Following the murder, Sheriff Alex Villanueva initially placed an emergency hold on Guardado's autopsy report, as department officials stated at the time that the hold could last anywhere from months to years, depending on the investigation and the agency. However, Los Angeles County Chief Medical Examiner and Coroner, Dr. Jonathan Lucas, defied Villanueva's order and released the report in July 2020, with Guardado's death being ruled a homicide. As Compton City Attorney Damon Brown sent a letter to the LASD demanding the removal of Vega and Hernandez, and following the death of Guardado, Several protests were held throughout the Los Angeles area, with one numbering 500 protesters on June 21, 2020. But they were met by LASD personnel in riot gear before peaceful demonstrators, observers, and members of the press were fired upon with less than lethal munitions and tear gas resulting in a press conference organized by the National Lawyers Guild in response to the treatment of protesters on September 11, 2020. 
and by November 2020, the Los Angeles Board of Supervisors finally ordered an inquest into the killing of Andres Guardado, something that hadn't been done for nearly 30 years. And though the proceeding was intended to be a judicial examination of the incident, the two sheriff's homicide detectives investigating Guardado's death appeared at the inquest but refused to answer questions, citing their Fifth Amendment rights. Despite that, the investigation would lead to Vega and Hernandez being suspended from the department. Though not for murdering Guardado in cold blood, instead, they were suspended for crashing their vehicle with Jesus Alegria in the back. And the Guardado family has filed a civil rights complaint against the county and department, which is still pending. But that's really all I have for you guys today. I hope everyone thoroughly enjoyed today's show and tunes back in next week for part 9 of episode 57, where we'll talk about the history of some of the lesser-known deputy gangs that have operated throughout the years under the radar, and those that I couldn't really dedicate an entire episode to, like the Pirates, the Tasmanian Devils, and the Buffalo Soldiers. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate it and go follow the show's Instagram and Twitter pages at the Blackham Pod, and feel free to reach out with feedback, suggestions, and comments. Also, consider giving a little bit to the show's Venmo at the Blackham Pod as well. But with that said, I hope you all have a great rest of your day. This is your host, Bliss Grieve, signing out. <laughs>